Good morning, world. My name is Maya Mintz, and you're listening to another episode of Uncurled and Unconventional Podcast. I don't know about you listeners, but I'm recording this on a beautiful sunny morning. Maybe it's afternoon for you, or evening. What do I know? <laughs> but either way, I hope you get to, or got to, soak up some sun today. Anyways, let's get into it. This week's episode is near and dear to my heart. If you've been following the podcast, you know that I've been going through a season of change. Scratch that. It's been more than one season of change, so let's call it an evolution. So, if you've been following along, you know that I've been evolving for a while now. The élément déclencheur, or catalyst, if you will, was my mental health misdiagnosis. I've discussed bits and pieces of my story, but I haven't spoken much about what it was like to exist under the guise of a bipolar diagnosis. I've been playing around with the idea of how and where to start this, and I'm going to do my best to go in a chronological order. Sort of. <laughs> but here we go. A bipolar diagnosis is not something you self-diagnose from an internet quiz. Oh no. This is a diagnosis that comes from a psychiatrist, a professional who is a doctor by trade. Yes, listeners, psychiatrists go to medical school and take the Hippocratic Oath, a pledge to do no harm, to prescribe only beneficial treatments. So, when I sought psychiatric services at the start of 2019, I was at a point where I was unable to recognize myself. I was in such a decompensated state, so much so that my mom had to fly down to university and take me home because I was non-responsive. Let me paint you a picture. In January 2019, I was 20 years old and had just returned to university after the winter break. I wasn't feeling myself over the holidays, so I went to a family medicine clinic and was prescribed SSRIs. In case you're unfamiliar with this term, SSRIs are essentially first-line medication supports for mental health issues. These were prescribed after I took the PHQ-9 and GAD-7 questionnaires, standard screenings for symptoms of depression and anxiety. So I returned to university, and maybe a month went by where I could barely get out of bed. I couldn't look at my phone, I couldn't go to class, I couldn't even ask for help. I could not function. And this is when my mom came to get me. And you know, my parents were incredible advocates. They called their entire networks looking for the best mental health supports they could find. I saw a few psychiatrists who I felt didn't hear me or understand me before I landed on one who I thought did. So, in the most significant moment of need in my life, this psychiatrist, let's call him Dr. W, began prescribing me antipsychotic medications. And without question, I trusted this doctor and took them. I was so decompensated that I was going to appointments each week, sometimes twice during a week, just to get support. And slowly but surely, things in my life started to change. I made new friends, um, one who to this day felt like they came into my life and sprinkled some pixie dust on me. 
She turned my life upside down and showed me how to have fun again. I also fell in love, although now that feels like an entire lifetime ago. But that's just it. I got better. I was taken off medication with the support of my psychiatrist. And for a bit, I began to move on. But then COVID hit and I panicked. There were some other things going on in my life at the same time, but I reached out to Dr. W and asked him via email, I might add, to begin prescribing me medications again. Without question, without phone call, (laughs) without a check-in, a prescription was faxed to my pharmacy. And that's when things started to go downhill. I took the meds, but this time, things didn't get better. They got worse. So I told Dr. W, and he increased the medication. Remember, it was peak COVID, so there were no in-person appointments. I would meet with Dr. W by phone, maybe by video on the rare occasion, and he would hear me getting worse and increase or change or add to my medications. So between 2019 and 2022, I was prescribed over eight different antipsychotics and atypical antipsychotic medications. Sometimes taking two or three different medications during a given period. By now, you're either wondering why I'm telling you all this or are so deep in the story that you're wondering why I'm stopping. Well, listeners, I'm pressing pause on the play-by-play to make a very important point. I put all my trust in Dr. W, so much so that I didn't stop to question my diagnosis or even question the pharmacy's worth of medication I had in my bathroom cabinet. I had complete and utter faith that this psychiatrist was acting in my best interest. After all, isn't that part of the Hippocratic Oath? So here is takeaway number one for this episode. Do your due diligence. Trust your doctors, but not blindly. While they may have your best interest in mind, they may not have all the information needed to make correct judgments. Psychiatrists are not gods. They are not omniscient. They do not know and see all that happens. In my opinion, a good psychiatrist will be humble, but a great psychiatrist will have humility and will be transparent about diagnoses being an evolving science. A resource I recently learned about and highly recommend, the Canada Choosing Wisely campaign. This is a resource created by physicians for physicians, but it can also be beneficial and informative for anyone who is a patient in a healthcare setting. For each medical specialty, the site lists common questions and misconceptions for physicians in delivering appropriate treatment to patients. Who knows, this may help you advocate for yourself or a loved one if and when you or they require medical treatment. Check out mentions if you want to explore this resource. But this is a perfect transition to what I want to speak about next, medication side effects. Before I begin, I have to say that since the start of January of this year, I've been doing my social work internship in a psychiatric setting. This is an area of the field I never, ever expected to work in. I honestly thought it would hit too close to home, but to my surprise, it 
hits in just the right way. So let's talk about it. Medication side effects. In talking to patients, I've heard a lot of discomfort surrounding side effects. Unfortunately, this is part of medication. Sometimes, or actually most of the time, well-being and mental health require a bit of a trade-off. But talking to these patients has reminded me of the many side effects I experienced on medication. I'm not talking about my deteriorating mental health status because I should have never been on medication to begin with, but I'm talking about the real and honest side effects that are mentioned on the warning paper you get from the pharmacy when you pick up medication, but nobody really talks about. For me, this mostly fell under the category of cognitive functioning. And to be completely honest, these are side effects that my brain is still healing from. Let me be more specific. Actually, I'll give you a really concrete example. I'm sure most, if not all of you listeners, are familiar with those six-digit authentication codes you get via text. At some point in my treatment, I got to a place where when I would have to put in one of those codes, I would look at it, remember it, and then look up at the computer screen and forget what I had just remembered. So I would start breaking it into chunks, only the first two numbers. But again, I would look up at the screen and forget the numbers. It would end up taking me over a minute to type six numbers onto a screen. But to be honest, it felt more like forever. I actively felt my brain failing me, but was also unable to remember a time where I could recall all six digits. I started to convince myself that my brain had always functioned at such a low capacity, and this went on for a really long time, almost three or four years. These kinds of cognitive issues were present in my memory, but also in my ability to function. I was completing my first undergrad when this started to happen. I had to repeat a couple of courses because I was not able to absorb or even comprehend the content being taught. And because I thought this was just me, I actually started a second undergrad with the same challenges in cognitive functioning. Assignments that used to take me days to complete now take me hours. But it wasn't just memory or academics. It was also the speed in which my brain communicated with my body. I had actually forgotten about this until a patient brought it up recently. But I used to set out to complete a tiny task, like throwing something in the garbage, but would struggle to do it accurately or efficiently. I would walk to the garbage and throw out the item, but the item would miss the garbage. I would see this acknowledge it, but would keep walking. And then I would turn around <laughs> and be able to walk back and pick up the item of trash and throw it out. But the time it would take me to process these awarenesses were not at par with my true abilities. And sometimes I would acknowledge, but not be able to turn around it was almost like I was unable to turn the awareness of missing the garbage into the energy needed to correct it. But again, when I got to this point, I was really unable to remember a time where this wasn't the case. 
I convinced myself that I was always like this, but it wasn't true. It actually took months after coming off of medication until I could start to notice differences in my day-to-day functioning. And to be honest, here I am over a year and a half after being off of medications, and I'm still noticing gradual improvements in my cognitive functioning. So my second takeaway, be patient with people. But even more, if you're on medication, be patient with yourself. Understand that for some, the trade-off of well-being for medication side effects doesn't make sense, especially when those individuals have little insight into their mental illness to begin with. Looking back, I think I was one of the lucky ones. I couldn't recognize the decline in my cognitive functioning. But some people can recognize the decline, and the awareness of it can be worse than their subjective experience of their illness. So, listeners, today was deep. Today was heavy. But today is also the last day of February. So with that, let's end on a positive note. If you listen to episode three, you know that a friend of mine did my 2024 tarot reading. So, as promised, here was the reading for February. February's card was called Father of Wands, and it's considered a creative card. This card reads, The Father of Wands is a man of mystique and charisma. Others are drawn to him naturally, and he welcomes them with an open and loving heart. Usually, you'll find him involved in the healing arts as he's deeply compassionate and in tune with life and nature. He is able to hold steady and still during conflict. This is a fitting card for February, and funny enough, very in line with what I've spoken about this episode. I may not have been steady and still during conflict in the past, but I am now. February has been a month of connection, learning, and a whole lot of gratitude. Here's to many more months like this. And with that, lovely listeners, here is your reminder that I am building a community. So don't forget to subscribe and definitely don't hesitate to reach out if you have questions about me or have things to share about you. Thanks for tuning in to Uncurl with Maya. See you next time.